Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo right there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in. everyone and welcome to the Alpha Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and back with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello Marissa. It's great to be back, although we are in a new location. We are. Your parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times. 2020. <laughs> yep. That's okay though. It's been a weird couple days. If anybody knows how to troubleshoot a MacBook, mine won't turn on. So I'm getting very, very frustrated with it. And I don't have to go to the, I don't want to have to go to the genius bar. I know no one can see my air quotes, but the geniuses, I'm sure, will be very good at telling me that they can't do anything about it. In typical genius fashion. (laughs) Yeah, typical geniuses. Yeah. I hate Apple. I know. This has taken quite an emotional toll on you today. (laughs) (laughs) here's the thing it'll i'll I'll press the power button and then the little apple logo will come on and it'll do the sound effect it'll be like and then it will start to load start to load start to load and then just shut down and that was uh, that was on a good cycle most of the time i just press the power button and nothing happens sounds annoying it it, it's it's very annoying I, i i'm very frustrated with my macbook i don't really know how to transition from that I I don't know. It was just an open solicitation, I guess, (laughs) for any helpful pointers that anybody might have. So the thing about this basement is that I've been able to trick myself into writing a little bit because it feels like a new space. It is different. It is not the same place that we had been living for the entirety of quarantine. However, then I look up and I just see Tom Brady's face staring back at me. Um, and just a slew of Boston sports memorabilia on yeah. the walls. Your dad turned this into like a man cave. That's exactly what he called it growing up. So it's the man cave. I'm looking directly at a clock of Elvis that I actually got for you slash your dad. It looks like it's out of battery right now, but when the battery is on, the legs swing. We got that from not Graceland, but a tacky gift shop near Graceland. <laughs> Yeah, and then I just noticed that there is a Red Sox clock above the Elvis clock, and now the clock from our apartment is behind me. So there are four clocks in this basement. Only one of them is currently operating and on time. I don't know. It is a lot of clocks. It's a new view. Originally, the sports part was just supposed to be like the back half of the basement, the area we're sitting in right now up to the couch. And then the front half was more of just like the entertainment space and like family space. But my dad's sports stuff just kept creeping on over Mm. throughout the years. 
The thing we've learned about this basement also is that it is definitely not soundproof. It is not. It's going to be really interesting to hear this back, and I hope it sounds okay. Yeah, so far so good. No no intrusive sounds, although if your dog starts to bark. Yes, there is a, there is a pupper now in our regular life. Yeah, you're really messing up his life. He's getting really frustrated at you. You sit on his spot on the couch. I do. You keep him awake when he just wants to go to sleep. You know, you're ruining his whole routine. I know. He just looks at me until I move. There's an entire couch, but he needs his spot and his blanket. And, you know, he's right. How dare I? How dare, How dare you? I just traipse back into his life How dare and, you? <laughs> and take his spot? But, yeah, you know. Our last big update was that we got engaged, which was very exciting. This big update is that we are now living with my parents. So it's been two weeks since our last podcast now because last week was pretty crazy with moving and everything and just packing to, you know, get all our stuff into a storage unit. And so living off a mobile hotspot. But um, in the meanwhile, hope everybody had a, a happy Thanksgiving. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) you're looking at me like you want me to say more but i was just that was it yeah i hope you saw as few of your family members as possible and i mean (laughs) that in the most loving way possible i know we're gonna need to go get uh some covid tests of our own i know it's been weird we've been so we were you know fairly quarantining ourselves for the rest of our time in New York, but of course we had to interact with movers and we had to pick up a rental car. So it wasn't a sure, you know, a sure thing. So we have, you know, been trying to keep our distance from the rest of my family, uh, wearing masks and socially distancing when we are around them. And I, for one, am counting down to that negative test or two weeks, whichever comes first. And we'll be so happy when I don't have to wear a mask in my own house. Yeah. It's very necessary, but the masks that we have just aren't conducive to full-time wear. Yeah. Luckily, though, um, we do have a lot of things to entertain ourselves besides work. We dove into New Girl on Netflix. Yeah, I got Pat. I'm officially beyond because I watched the first two and a half seasons in high school. Now we're well into season four. So this is all new territory for me. Yes, we have a good library of content to dive into. New Girl has been fun, I would say. It's kind of cringy. <laughs> I could do yeah. without all of the fat phobia yeah. in particular. It, that's the most glaring element of it that I do not enjoy. And like Jess and Nick are objectively bad for each other, but I cannot wait for them to get back together. Oh my goodness. It, I they, live for their particular brand of chaos. They are very chaotic, that's true. But yeah, it's been it's been a fun watch. I watched Dash and Lily in the past week also on Netflix based on a young adult novel co-written by David Levithan and Rachel Cohn and it was very cute. Yeah. It was. It was New York at Christmas, which especially this is the first year. I mean, in college, we would obviously go home for the holidays, but we were always in New York in December seeing the way that New York does Christmas. So to be away from that and it all being so fresh was very emotional for me. It's not going to be like that this year, though, even if we were there. I know. Like SantaCon was canceled. Santa, They canceled SantaCon. <laughs> I think that's the hardest. So 
I feel like not being there would hurt more if we were in normal times, but I think we would still be there if it was normal. Like it's just, it's just weird. Yeah. You can't miss what you don't have. And we have been doing a whole lot of nothing in New York in 2020. So that is true. Yeah. Today we get to talk about Lizzie McGuire again and it's been a minute and I think we returned to a fun one. I think I'm excited to talk about this episode. Yeah, this was an interesting episode. I thought we have, I feel like Ethan Kraft's first sighting um, of season two, and he has changed. He is much taller. I don't know what he's doing with his hair. <laughs> Sam McGuire is into <laughs> it, though. <laughs> yeah. No, he he definitely had a growth spurt. I feel like Kate must have, too, but we just didn't notice it. But it's like when she was standing next to Gordo, he looked like her kid. <laughs> Kate is... Very tall. Yeah. I mean, everybody becomes taller than Gordo. Yeah. Yeah. Today we are talking about episode 206, and the winner is, in this episode, an argument between Lizzie, Miranda, and Gordo leads to some unlikely pairings when they partner up for a class scavenger hunt. Unlikely indeed. And this episode aired on April 26th, 2002. Okay. So... Yeah, we, right off the bat, we get the argument. They're walking into class. They're arguing. They're not having a fun time. They're not going to speak to each other anymore. No, and it's extremely out of context, right? Like, we have no idea what's going on so far as to, like, you literally thought this was the middle of the episode. Well, that's happened before because you've watched all of these and you left some of them in the middle. But no, this was the beginning. And of course, Mr. Dig is here teaching. What class is this? Is this history? It's a history class. History, I guess. <laughs> Just every class. We get a little bit of insight into how Mr. Dig is able to teach all of their classes. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. I mean, he's just everywhere. He has no <laughs> life of his own apart from <laughs> teaching. He just hops around from place to place wherever. It's actually kind of creepy now that I'm saying all of this out loud. But he hops around from place to place depending on where his students are. Well, he built the scavenger hunt, so he knows where to be. But it's like, this is the thing I don't understand. All right, so there's a scavenger hunt. There's a lot of things I don't understand about the scavenger hunt, for the record. It's like he's building the scavenger hunt as he, like, in the moment, as he goes. You would think that he would have a plan, you know, like he would have scheduled everything out so... He didn't need to hop around from place to place. He could have just waited at the end. But no, for some reason, he's doing the scavenger hunt like two minutes before everybody else. That sounds like such a stressful way to do a scavenger hunt. He wanted some live clue reads, a la The Amazing Race. But then what if, you know, you get some large team separation? This is just a terrible idea. Clearly, there was also... I mean, we'll get to this, but Matt did the entire scavenger hunt and finished way, like, never even ran into That's another thing. Like, how does Mr. Why is Mr. Dig giving Matt the clues all the way along? You know this child is not (laughs) in your your class. class. Yeah, a lot of things about this episode made no sense to me. The scavenger hunt made no sense. The fight made no sense. Like, what they were all so mad about once we found out what it was. Just nothing logically made sense. No. At all. No. Like the motivation to the plot. It's like all the elements of this episode made no sense, but it ended up being an enjoyable ride anyways, if you could just like let that go. But yeah, so we start mid-argument, as you said. Mr. Dig enters. He teaches every class, as always, and he sort of makes them 
suspect that there might be a surprise test. Miranda and Lizzie keep interjecting themselves into this conversation and just being super passive aggressive toward each other and Gordo. Kate says, there better not be a test today. My tutor is out of town and I'm already late for a Manny. Kate has some excellent lines and insights in this episode. Ew, is he like looking at me? And it's just <laughs> such a great, it's just such a great Kate showing, I think. Yeah. There's just, there's so much to get into with Kate. Larry then offers to tutor Kate, but ew, of course. The clip I just played, yes. My notes are a little chaotic for this episode. Next I have, you know, Plymouth Rock shout out. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't feel the need to note that especially. Plymouth Rock is so dumb. But of course, Mr. Dig isn't giving a normal test. That wouldn't be Mr. Dig. He is giving an interactive testing extravaganza. Yeah, life enriching. Life enriching. Gordo is hype. I think this is a method that's been proven to fail. Right, because he 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 tried to employ a similar methodology during the factathlon and life experience, <laughs> and it it helps nobody. They really lost. They lost terribly, as we will be reminded. They had to fake a death to get out of it. <laughs> so yeah, appreciate the effort, but you know, fool me once, shame on you. I will not be fooled again. But yeah, it's basically an elaborate scavenger hunt where the you have to solve one clue to get the destination of the next clue. And the prize for whoever shows up at the finish line first is an A for the entire semester. That's it. Semester over, you get an A. I mean... That's a crazy prize. And also, how does Mr. Dig have the authority to dole out that prize he's the only teacher at the school (laughs) i mean why wouldn't he have that authority excuse me how could i forget yeah um they are allowed to pick their own partners but this is a whole process because of course none of them are speaking to each other though i'd argue that this would also be a thing if they were speaking to each other because a partnership is two people but there are three yeah, if uh, if they had to pick their own partner and they were talking to each other, that might cause some more drama. So much drama. So much drama. We see the whole partner process unfold. Kate marches up to Gordo and wants to be his partner, presumably because she thinks that it is her straight and easy path to an A. Automatic. Automatic A. Automatic A. I mean, Mr. D... I guess this comes later, but like Mr. Dig is going to do like a practice question in the class and Gordo's all over it. So good choice for Kate. Yeah. Gordo knows his stuff. His American history. This was all like Revolutionary War questions, it seemed Mm -hmm. like. And then Miranda witnesses the pair up of Kate and Gordo. It gets very like, yeah, well, I have a partner too, you know, and just reaches for the first person she can touch. And it happens to be Larry Tudgman. So now Miranda and Larry are paired up. Yeah, Miranda, she looks right over, sees Gordo and Kate, immediately jealous. Immediately. And then she sees Lizzie <laughs> Lizzie and Ethan getting paired up together, and she's even more jealous. Oh, well, I don't know. Even more jealous, maybe not, but jealous nonetheless. Now you can go out with Ethan Kraft. Yeah, Lizzie's all like, it's a good thing you ditched me at the Digital Bean. Otherwise, I wouldn't be partners with Ethan Kraft. 
And then we start to get a little bit of insight into the fight. Just a little, some crumbs, if you will, of the source of this drama. It's so dumb. It really is. We'll get into that during the big reveal, though. But for now, Miranda says she didn't get the message. Gordo says he didn't get the call. And Miranda accused Lizzie of overreacting and holding grudges. So there is some miscommunication happening and at the core of this this whole situation. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. But Miranda's definitely more jealous of Gordo and Kate. If that's what you need to believe. That's not what in. I need to believe. It's what it is. That is the situation is that is happening. I don't know. So yeah. So then we cut to theme song. And then we come back and we are still at school. And this is where Mr. Diggs starts to explain the rules of the scavenger hunt in more depth. And that's where we get a sample question where the answer to the question is the stamp act, meaning that the next clue will be at the post office. So he's explaining the game to his students, but also to the audience. So we know what's going on. Yeah, it's like, can he do this? Who gave him the authority to set up this extracurricular at a location that's not even the school? Yeah, and just letting all of these children run amok without any sort of, like, adult figure present. You know, the post office is one thing, but then he starts infiltrating private businesses. He starts, he, like, steals a guy's hot dog stand. Like, what is that? That's (laughs) that guy's livelihood. I don't know. Probably paid him off. This scavenger hunt does not make... Why would Mr. Dig, a substitute <laughs> teacher, pay someone off? This substitute teachers make nothing. You're going to waste your money buying off a hot dog stand for a school project? Yes. <laughs> makes no sense. That's the sort of dedication that has made Mr. Dig the perma-sub. Mr. Dig, get a life. So class is dismissed. Kate tells Gordo that she'll see him at the finish line, and Gordo's like, no, 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 no. As much as I dislike this, I am not giving you an A, and we are spending the day together tomorrow to do this together. Um, And this is where we get Miranda, um, Chief Petty Officer Miranda Sanchez, resurfacing some old wounds. This is how you know that she's jealous. Reminding Gordo in two, two callbacks that he always loses to Tudgman. How does he think that this is a sure win for him? He lost the Science Olympics, and he lost the Factathlon. Oh, for two. And those are both called out by name, and it's hilarious. <laughs> that is how you know, again, that Miranda is jealous, because it's like, why would you need to bring that up? To remind Gordo that he's not all that. Yeah, but, you know, it's because of the connection that they have. Okay. And then Lizzie says something that doesn't really make sense, and then Ethan says something that makes even less sense. Yeah, he can walk and talk. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, so then we cut to Lizzie's room. She's, I guess, prepping for the test. I don't really know why they're going over clues. Like, they know that they're going to have to go to the post office, so I don't really understand what she's studying because I I thought that the idea of the scavenger hunt was you wouldn't know the next clue until you arrived at the post office. Probably just brushing up on, um, you know, they got the whole, like, Revolutionary War theme. Um, probably brushing up on some facts, though some of the clues were not related at all. No, not at all. We'll get we, can get, we, can, yeah, we can get there. But um, she gets a call from Miranda. Hard to tell if it was a butt dial or an accidental call or if it was a, an intentional call. What did you think of the call? I think it was an intentional call. You can't butt dial someone in 2002. This was Miranda reaching out 
and hoping that Lizzie would apologize. But then Lizzie is, of course, hoping that Miranda is calling to apologize. And then we just end up nowhere. Yeah. And again, we still don't really know at this point what happened. We just are watching them yelling at each other to apologize. Yeah, we never really know what happens. We do. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't... It feels like nothing. I, it I, is I nothing. just don't understand. So I still feel like I don't understand what happened. Well, anyways, they both believe that the other should apologize and angrily hang up the phone. Then we cut to the kitchen where... Joe and Sam are kind of like, I guess, complimenting Ethan Craft. Yeah, Ethan Craft is hanging out downstairs as they wait for Lizzie to get ready. And Joe tells uh, Ethan that his hair glows. No, Sam tells Ethan that his hair glows. That oh. was a Sam McGuire line. Got you. Okay, Sam but, McGuire. But Joe is also complimenting the hair. They're all about Ethan's hair. They really needed to call out the fact that Ethan's hair is different, as if that wasn't like the first thing we noticed. Oh, it, it was very noticeable. And Ethan tells them the secret to his luscious, beautiful, glowing locks. Yeah, everybody take notes. Get your pens out now. <laughs> you're you're going to want to note this. Yeah, you know how on the shampoo bottle it says lather, rinse, repeat? Ethan doesn't repeat. Oh, my God. Yeah, because that's just that's just a marketing tactic to try to make you buy more stuff. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. You have to use twice as much shampoo. What a ripoff. Smartest thing Ethan Craft has ever said. Yeah. And then Lizzie comes down into the kitchen. They head out. They are rollerblading around town. They have wheels. Shades of her first date. I know. That helmet is getting some screen time. I know. <laughs> she was like, it worked on Shy Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> it can work on Ethan too. Yes. <laughs> And Lizzie and Matt pass each other. She is exiting the kitchen as Matt enters with a, quote, treasure map. But it's just the school. It's just a map of the town for the school project. I don't understand why they have that. Why do they need a map? None of this makes sense because this, the clues are supposed to lead you to the location. So you shouldn't need a map. If you had a map, you wouldn't need the clues because it would be in the map. It just, it doesn't make sense. No, Sam, they need a map because it's 2002 and they don't have smartphones. Yeah, but they live, They this is their town. You think they don't know how to get around? I mean, who's to say? You think Mr. Dig is going to send them out of the town <laughs> on their scavenger hunt? I mean, how are they even, I mean, are we have to believe that all of these places are in a close enough proximity that it is realistic for them to just sort of walk or wheel around. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it makes no sense. This entire episode is one big plot hole after plot hole. Oh my goodness. Did did someone say plot hole? Yeah, I said that. <laughs> I mean, there's also the plot hole that where are the other teams? Never see them. Everyone else in this show exists by name only. I think we, we can easily assume that these three teams that we follow are the last three teams, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a fair assumption. Because even Matt McGuire, on his own, without a teammate, finished before them. I know. Two grades behind them also, which, you know, how challenging is this? I don't even go to the school. <laughs> <laughs> So Matt goes off with his treasure map, and Joe and Sam realize that they are alone. Oh. 
And they were they had plans to take Matt mini golfing, but they don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And Lizzie's gonna be out all day doing her project. They have the house all to themselves. What what are they going to do? And this like, you know, romantic music starts playing. And then Joe starts a pillow fight. They could clean the gutters or get a jump on their taxes. God knows they need to get a jump on those taxes so that they don't confuse him with Bill Gates again. (laughs) Nope. It's a pillow fight. Nope. A pillow fight. (laughs) Literally. Literally. This is not a euphemism. It it could be. No, there's a montage. (laughs) It is a very literal pillow fight. No, I mean, I, I don't doubt that it is. I did see the montage, but like we have to assume that there was a little like Mm-mm, happening do we have to assume that i really would rather not <laughs> fair so the next scene is at the digital bean and at first you seem to be a little confused because the first clue was for the post office but we quickly gather that we are sort of you know midway through the scavenger hunt we're not starting from the beginning with them we're just kind of jumping back in yeah i guess they just they could spring for a record store set And a hot dog stand, but a post office set, too much. (laughs) And Lizzie, Ethan, Miranda, and Larry are already there. Uh, Gordo and Kate arrive a little bit later because Kate needed to go shopping. I thought she wanted that A, so I'm a little bit confused by that. That, She can do both things. This feels wrong. This feels out of character. Kate wanted to be partnered with Gordo. She wants to win. Kate is ambitious, and when she cares about something, she cares about it. And being paired with Gordo felt very calculated. So I'm very confused by the notion that she would make them go shopping throughout the course of the scavenger hunt. I thought she wanted the A. She wanted to win. To me, this characterization of her feels lazy and like, oh, the girl is going to get distracted with shopping, the popular girl. Yeah, I mean... They they really paint all the partners in very negative lights in this scene. Larry comes in, and he's coming in like he's a spy or something. He's being very sketchy for a scavenger hunt that everybody is doing. You don't need, to be, you don't need it to be a secret. Yeah. And then Ethan is just, you know, he's like there just ordering food. And Lizzie is like, is this endearing or is he really stupid? <laughs> yeah, she, she's explaining the clues to him as she solves them and she explains that they're at the digital bean right now because it's the opposite of analog t what does this have to do with the revolutionary war i think the clue had something to do with boston tea party oh okay but yeah she was like the opposite of analog is digital the opposite of tea is coffee (laughs) like is it is it uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that that can be an opposite. They're just two different things. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you know the opposite of an apple is an orange? They're uh, opposites. It did give me a good chuckle, though. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's a clue behind them on the blackboard in the Weird Cafe. Is this the clue that leads them to the record store? Yes, for noise candy. Noise. <laughs> yes, noise candy. And this is where we first see that Mr. Dig is actually going to be setting up the scavenger hunt in real time (laughs) because he has taken Lizzie's job as busboy at the Weird Cafe 
and he's using it to go incognito and lay the clues around the weird cafe. Yeah, and I feel like this almost confirms your theory that they're in the back of the pack because presumably Mr. Dig can't move on. Well, no, it still makes no sense because if he can't move on until everyone is gone, then like... No, he could, it could be the beginning or the end. Could be the beginning. It doesn't really, it doesn't really indicate their placement. It's just always wherever Lizzie and Miranda and Gordo are, so is Mr. Dig for the sake of the joke. Yeah, it's just, you know, he would need to set the clues far enough apart so that he could wait for everybody to cycle through and then get to the next location before everybody else. So the record store has got to, maybe it is in another town. (laughs) (laughs) The record store has got to be a good like hour away so that it gives him enough time. If I start to get in my head about the logistics of this, we will never finish the podcast. Because it it makes no sense. Because it makes no sense. Yeah, he should not need to, he should have done the prep work. Why are you doing this in real time? Stop it. For a joke, for the audience, for the wink. It's not a wink, it's just dumb. And they catch sort of a glimpse of him and they're like, Mr. Dig? Nah, but yes. And they're all leaving at the same time. They're all in the same place at the same time, but they're fighting over who's in the lead right now. And only the three of them, none of their other classmates. Right. And then on their, what, they all sort of like collide into each other and fall over. Something like that. There are other classmates too, like that we've been introduced to. Like you could have brought in Claire. Parker. Veruca. Yeah. Huzzah. Oh man, you're really tempting me here. Huzzah. Yeah, there was, there was potential for this to be greater, but you know, budget. Right. So then we cut back to the McGuire house and we get the pillow fight montage, which as we have already discussed is simply a pillow fight. So we get that quick scene. Then we cut to noise candy and Matt gets there first and he's just way ahead of everybody else. Yeah. This is a real easy scavenger hunt, I guess. Yes. He gets the clue at noise candy and it leads him to a hot dog stand named for Paul Revere. Mr. Dig, of course, is at the CD store behind the checkout desk. And it's just like, why? It's like they they were really, really struggling with what to do with Matt in this episode. They were like, he needs to be in this episode, but we have nothing for him to do. Yeah, that's okay. They've given Matt a couple interesting stories the last few episodes. So, you know, they can't, it can't all be, can't all be an A. So then we get the next scene where we finally, finally sort of get the explanation for why Lizzie, Miranda, and Gordo are in a fight. And we keep getting, um, it keeps cutting between the three of them telling the story. Basically, the crux of it is that Miranda was supposed to meet Lizzie at the Digital Bean, but never showed up. So Lizzie thought she looked like an idiot because, you know, God forbid you are alone and by yourself <laughs> That's the in a that coffee makes shop. No sense. <laughs> it's like, why just are you chill. so mad? Yeah, that's not something to be mad about, especially because it seemed like there was just a miscommunication or, you know, maybe Miranda didn't even get the invitation. Yeah, Miranda was like, I didn't get the message. And Lizzie's like, how dare you abandon me? I am the dependable one. Everybody at the Digital Bean was staring at me. My former boss was all over me. I mean, if anybody has the right to be upset in this 
situation, it's Gordo because apparently he wasn't even invited. Story of Gordo's life, honestly. As I've always said, <laughs> Gordo, you need new friends. Hate my friends. Gordo is all like, you know, he refers to himself as their taken for granted friend that, and is just lamenting about how they ignored him again. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Miranda and Larry get the first sort of uh, scene or first sort of conversation in this scene that they don't start with Lizzie. Do you think there's any significance to that? I think that Lizzie is very clearly in the wrong. I'll talk more about that when I, I when I get to her apology slash non-apology because she's like, it doesn't matter who started it. And it's like, girl, it was you. <laughs> no, this is all you. You're the only person with a problem here. <laughs> You're the one out here causing drama. But yeah, I think that it was probably meant to establish that Miranda really wasn't in the wrong. I think that the audience is sort of trained to be on Lizzie's side. I think that that is the instinct. (laughs) I don't know. I'm more skeptical, I guess, maybe than the average audience member. Yeah, I'm not talking about 20-something you and me watching it now, but... I don't know. Why do you think Miranda got the first? I mean, you're probably right. It's because we're supposed to side with Miranda here because Miranda is sort of the the voice, the rational voice here. Because then they cut to Lizzie and Ethan and Lizzie telling her side of the story. And she's very yelly. Very defensive. She's very screamy. And Ethan's like, chill, bro. Chill. Yeah. Miranda just seems sad, honestly. And then Gordo goes last because it just emphasizes again that he's always the third banana. (laughs) <laughs> the afterthought. Yeah. No one is apologizing, though. That is that is the, you know, you get the three of them cut side by side saying simultaneously, I am not apologizing. This is so, yeah, this is real dumb. It's also very weird. We kind of glossed over this. We didn't really talk about it. It's weird how much Mr. Dig takes an interest in their personal lives. Like when they pair up with other people, <laughs> he's over here popping up like, Oh, it's very weird. I would have thought you would have paired with each other. Why are you pairing with these other people? <laughs> That's my Mr. Dig voice. <laughs> Why are you doing that? <laughs> That's not what he sounds like at all. No, but you're right. He's like, huh, Gordon. You're doing the same thing. <laughs> you're doing the same voice that I did. It's like, huh, Gordon. You just said Gordon. I know. I fixed it. <laughs> Even though I know you're going to keep it. Ah, Gordon, this is most peculiar. <laughs> okay, we need to move on. No, I mean, you, know, you never said, you never got your thought out. You didn't say what you wanted to say. I'm being mocked. You're mocking me. <laughs> I need to move on. No, you need to say what you're going to say. He's very like, ah, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> say it. He's very, ah, oh, Gordon, funny would have thought that he would have been paired with Sanchez or McGuire. McGee. Oh, yeah, that's what Ethan calls the <laughs> McGuires. Mr. and Mrs. McGee. Later, Mr. McGee. So then we cut back to the house. And are Lizzie's parents okay? Sam is going to make a shake in his mouth with milk. He does. Peanut butter and whipped cream. Notice there's no ice cream No, there. and chocolate sauce. <laughs> Still, notice no ice cream. Just milk. Chocolate sauce, peanut butter, whipped cream. Yes. Sounds good to me. And Joe is just eating peanut butter straight out of the jar. 
Their inner child is coming out. They are making a mess and they aren't cleaning it up. Wow. Sam McGuire, what a slob you are being. Your behavior, your attitude are just so bad. And then we cut back to the same sort of outdoor scene of them in transition from one clue to the next. And I'm going to, I want us to play the clip. And it's the respective partners, Kate, Larry, and Ethan, being the outside perspective on this argument. Okay, if you ever repeat this, I will D-E-N-Y deny, but you kind of actually have something I want. What? I may be the most popular girl in the universe. Actually, I am, but I don't have friends like Lizzie and Miranda. Friends, right, which is why neither one of them bothered to call me. Gordo, friends like those are harder to find than jeans that fit right. So not talking to them about something like this? Stupid. She's a salty, sweet kind of person, like um, chocolate-covered pretzels. Yeah, miss, phone call and chocolate-covered pretzels. I can see why you're not talking. Look, I may be the tall, dark, handsome, mysterious, stranger, lone wolf kind of guy, but uh, even I wouldn't mind having friends like Lizzie and Gordo. All right, Lizzie, let me break it for you. I may have perfect hair and be down with the ladies, but even I don't have good friends like Gordo Miranda. Well, apparently neither do I, which is okay with me because I'm fine on my own. Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. Hey, you peeps, do the right thing. Did Ethan Kraft just say something smart? Maybe he really is as perfect as I think. So I think that there is quite a bit to unpack in that clip. First of all, I mean, I'm just going to say it now. Kate is the MVP of this episode. Solidified and confirmed by what happens next, which I'm we will be the most to. popular girl in the universe. Actually, I am. <laughs> yeah. And they all say more or less the same thing, right? Like, I am all of these qualities, but I don't have close friendships. Um, which, I mean, I guess we don't know enough about them, but it's like they don't all need to be that way. Like, Kate obviously has a friendship with Claire. They seem kind of close. It's kind of a toxic friendship, though. I mean, so is this one. How is this friendship any different than that friendship? Sprained arm, you can't be a cheerleader anymore. Claire straight up usurped Kate. Yeah, but then they reconciled at the end. It's no different than Lizzie becoming a model and then making (laughs) Gordo and Miranda just do her chores. No, I hear you. I think it's interesting, like, what are... Kate, Larry, and Ethan seeing that we are not. It doesn't make sense. Larry, I mean, they make him seem like a loner, but obviously he's popular enough to be voted class president. He also had a growth spurt, might I add. He did also have a growth spurt. And you know what? He has his whole uh, Dwarf Lord crew. So it's not like he has no friends. Like, they make each of these people seem like they just live through life alone. Yeah, and Ethan Kraft is... He's Ethan Kraft. He's Ethan Kraft. He's Ethan Kraft. Yeah. So, I, I mean, as much as, like, you can appreciate the sentiment, it's like, where is this coming from? Yeah, they make it seem like all of their friendships are superficial or non-existent. Yeah. Yeah, they basically all, you know, it was a sequence of self-burns. <laughs> For no reason. It's similar to when they just made Kate shop, you know? It's like they just... The writers knew that each one of these characters needed to have a monologue thrown at them to make them really just understand how lucky they are to have such wonderful friends. I hate my friends. 
Yeah, and none of these characters were the right vessels to be, like, doling out that sort of advice. So it just came off as disingenuous. I do appreciate a good Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. Oh, yeah, you like that one? You peeps, do the right thing. (laughs) Everyone should live by that. They're your peeps. Do the right thing. That's why Ethan cracked the voice. <laughs> yep. Um, but then this all leads them to basically an, <laughs> I guess they're in something like a triangle. It's like they all see the hot dog stand from a different angle. And they're at like, the same time. At the same time. And then they have this like Mexican standoff. And it's like, no, <laughs> those hot dogs are mine. And then they all just <laughs> break out into a sprint for the hot dog stand. And what do you know? Mr. Dig has taken over the hot dog stand. Yeah, and he's giving a live clue. Very Phil. Also, can we just say, when Matt says, oh, I know what this is, it's Revere's hot dogs, you think, oh, it's going to be like an establishment. Like, who knows a hot dog stand by name? By name. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, they were just street dogs. But yeah, there was a lot of shades of the Amazing Race in this episode. There was. And Mr. Dig, you notice this when it's all in a row like this. Why does he keep sending them to food places? First, they start at the weird cafe. Then they have to go get hot dogs. Then he sends them to go get burgers. What's he trying to do to these children? (laughs) Yeah, the answer to that clue is for a burger place. And Larry just shouts it out like a dummy. Like, Larry, keep your cards a little closer. Cover your answer, Larry. Don't you see that everyone is fighting? Clearly not. Read the room. And yes, I just worked really hard to say room and not rum. <laughs> Huzzah! Then we get our second montage. This montage really, like, I knew that I was going to make Kate my MVP after her little monologue. But, like, this moment really just, like, seals the deal for me. And they wouldn't need to do this if, if she hadn't done so much shopping. It seems like they did more shopping during this montage. Yeah, Gordo keeps receiving more and more shopping bags to carry. Um, Then we cut to Larry and Miranda, and Larry is biking around, and Miranda's sort of in the, what's the word for the attachment to a bike? So it's like a sidecar, but no bicycles have, motorcycles have sidecars. This is the first time I've ever seen a sidecar for like a bicycle. So yes, because what we didn't mention in the previous scene is that Miranda accuses Lizzie of cheating for having wheels. So now they but all need to cheating. have wheels. So now they all need wheels. So it's Larry. Larry gets a bike and Miranda rides around in the sidecar. What will Kate and Gordo do? Kate distracts these like prepubescent boys just by like standing there looking hot. They crash their scooters and fall. She then proceeds to take their scooters, but not steal them because she just like throws like a wad of cash nothing in this montage made sense because it's like were they also setting traps for each other at one point miranda and larry just dump a bag they wait for um lizzie and ethan to just stand in the right place and then dump a bunch of tennis balls on them it's so it's so weird and then kate and gordo break larry's bike (laughs) like what is happening no wonder they're they didn't win i know they're wasting too much time dilly dallying And meanwhile, we also see Matt continue to move through this constantly one step ahead. Matt's got this. He does. Back at the house, back at the house, Joe and Sam have now built a truly ridiculous pillow fort. 
Yeah, and they're playing with Matt's video games. They are. And the fort collapses on them. Womp womp. Did you just, did I hear someone say womp womp? It was a womp womp. Then we get to the final destination where Matt arrives before Lizzie and co. And puts the pieces together that Mr. Dig had been repeatedly appearing in every place throughout this journey. Yeah. And he wants to know what the treasure is. He's wasted his whole day looking for this treasure. Are we assuming that they're doing this on a Saturday? We have to, right? Because otherwise it's like, why wouldn't they all be in school? Why would Sam and Joe be taking Matt mini golfing during a weekday? Right. So like, this just makes even the more you die, like I said, the more you dig in, the less it makes sense because this isn't even like a field trip. This is like just homework. And it can't be Sunday because they started at the post office. Yep. Got to be Saturday. But yes, I'm sorry. I digress. Matt wants his treasure and his treasure is an A. An A? What can I do with an A? I don't even go to the school. <laughs> and he is upset. And Mr. Digg is like, well, okay, here. And he gives Matt 43 cents and a bus token. And he's like, Good enough for Matt. He's like, a bus token? A, a bus token? Okay. <laughs> and then, once again, everybody is coming toward the finish line from a different place. And we see... Which, how? All the clues are the same. So how are they all coming from different places? <laughs> it makes no sense. And we are shown that Lizzie and Ethan are the closest, that they would get there first. Yeah. They see Kate, Gordo, Larry, and Miranda coming around. They start to run in slow motion. And Lizzie's like, I need to do the right thing. Ethan's like, what a girl thing to do. I don't know. Is doing the right thing a girl thing to do? <laughs> First of all, also, where does this come from? This literally comes out of nowhere. We do not get a single moment of growth from Lizzie throughout this episode. The last time this we is hear, it. This is the moment. This The last time we hear from her, she is still very indignant and defensive and upset. And now she's just not mad anymore and ready to apologize. Yes. And she's the only one, really, we've established who should apologize because... It doesn't really feel like Miranda's fault. Lizzie's the one really freaking out. So, yeah, Lizzie, basically, everybody's running towards the finish line. They're so close to the finish line. And Lizzie just yells, I'm sorry. And then... Uh, Slow-mo, <laughs> dramatic, everyone stops. Well, not everybody stops. So Kate and Larry cross the finish line, but their partners stop. So no one has won yet. Because both partners need to cross the finish line. Correct. And they're like, Lizzie, what did you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> what is happening in this? What is it? Why? Why is this happening? I hate that we're not talking to each other. And, you know, I don't even know whose fault this is. And it doesn't matter. I don't care. I just need us to be talking again. Is basically the vibe of her apology. Basically. And it's like, Lizzie, 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 Lizzie. This is your fault. It is. And Larry's standing behind the finish line like, Move it! <laughs> yep. But Lizzie points out that, wait, there is a, there's an outcome for this. They could win, all of them, together. together. This never works. This is how Cedric Diggory died. Can we just... <laughs> someone had the brilliant idea to do it together, and then someone died. 
Never do this. Always take the win. Right. Take the win. Got to take the win. Um, but regardless, they all cross the finish line at the same time and are greeted by Mr. Dig. Unfortunately, they were not first. They were last. Yep. Nina and Jeremy got the A. Nina and Jeremy. How dare. And then Gordo says that that's okay because there's no A in friendship. There's also no A in winning. Correct. And then he kind of knocks Ethan. He was like, but Ethan thinks there is, which is just rude. It's just rude. But yes, Gordo makes fun of Ethan. All is right in the world. Now, do we think that Matt got there first first? Yes. Otherwise, why would he have been rewarded the A? Matt was first first. First first. So he was way ahead. He was. And it ends with, this ending just makes no sense. I don't even know how to describe this ending. It feels like something that should have been like a post credit scene. Yeah. But you know what? I'll take it. Can we just clip it? <laughs> I did. Like, 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 I want you. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam and Joe are kind of like devilishly grinning about the day that they just had. And Matt is playing his video game and he notices that there's some peanut butter on it. So he says, Mom, why is there peanut butter on my video game? And then they walk away. And at the same time, he's asking why there's peanut butter on his video game. He's also complaining about the events that are taking place in the video game where he is being eaten by a pig. At which point he says, Like, 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 I want eat your chomp. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> that's the end of the episode. <laughs> oink, oink, oink. I want to eat you chomp. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> A poet. <laughs> end, of, end of the episode. End of the episode. So overall impressions. You know, I don't think I'm as high on this episode as you. This episode did not make a lot of sense to me, and I'm getting really hung up on it. I think it was a fun episode to jump back in on. We had the week off. Certainly there was a lot to talk about, but I agree it's a logistical nightmare. The motivation makes no sense. The five in me is just off, is just... All rattled. Oh, we didn't even talk about how our world has been <laughs> turned upside down by the Enneagram. <laughs> but you are correct. It made no sense. And like most episodes make no sense, but this episode really made no sense. It made no sense. But you're still into it. I mean, I think it's a fun romp. We got a bit of Lizzie's. We got we got some outside. I really like whenever there's some outdoor scenes I liked Ethan. I liked the Ethan appearance. He's back. He is taller and more has more luscious hair than ever before. Can I point out that if Ethan had just used his dirt bike, maybe they would have won. Yeah, what up with that? <laughs> that they could have been so much faster. What up with that? Are we going to go over outfits? Yeah, let's talk about some outfits. Nothing really jumped out at me in this episode as particularly noteworthy, so... I think Um, we'll be able to cruise on through. Yeah, me either. It was a pretty standard episode. Obviously, we've got to talk about Ethan Craft. We talked about it a little bit already, but Ethan Craft returns with the long hair. He's got long hair now. Yeah, it is 2002. Surfer dude Ethan is here. Surfer dude, but (laughs) with a vest. With a vest. (laughs) And then Kate, I don't know. She looks like a mom at a bake sale all the time. (laughs) Like a southern mom at a bake sale. She does. She gives off 1960s suburban mom energy. Like, why do you need to make your hair so tall? It's very tall. Tall, wispy bangs. A short sleeve 
turtleneck sweater. A short sleeve sweater objectively makes no sense. Why would you want your body to be warm and your arms to be cold? Ugh, I just don't get it. I appreciate the detail of the that pink pen with the fuzzy like pom-pom top. I had pens like that. Larry's still looking very Larry. I would note, though, that his hair looks a bit lighter this season. A little bit. And he looks, they let, I really appreciate that they're just letting his hair be hair. He has really nice hair. I think they made an effort in season one to make him look very greasy and gross. They definitely did. And I like that that's gone. Like, Larry objectively has great hair in this episode. More my type of hair over the, like, Ethan Kraft look. <laughs> you don't like long hair? Don't care from Ethan? I like long hair on Ethan. It's, it's very not just Ethan. long hair. It's long hair, don't care. That's why he doesn't repeat. Lather, rinse. That's it. You're done. <laughs> Don't care. Miranda looks cool here. She's wearing a camo jumper with a long sleeve orange shirt underneath. She is. That's a cool dress. Gordo's style continues to evolve also because is he wearing a, is that a sweater? Uh, I think it's just a jacket. Just a jacket. Yeah. And Lizzie's really leaning into the crimped hair. Yeah. Oh my God, she's wearing a juicy sweatshirt. Whoa. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my God. So in this scene, Lizzie and Miranda are on the phone with each other and we get that classic split screen and Lizzie is wearing a maroon velour juicy couture sweatshirt. Now, Sam, you don't know about the juicy couture sweatshirt, sweatsuit? Should I? Oh yeah. It's like peak early 2000s fashion. You had Britney wearing a juicy sweatsuit on the red carpet. Any celebrity who was anyone in 2002 was wearing a juicy couture sweatsuit. And it was usually worn as a set. So Lizzie's wearing the sweatshirt piece. But if you were really cool, you had the matching sweatpants. That would say juicy on the butt. That was that was the juicy couture sweatsuit. Wow. It's very iconic. I had a juicy sweatshirt. Um, Fancy. I was kind of at the end of the, you know, I was kind of a late adopter because they were quite expensive and I could not get one until they were, you know, massively discounted at like there would be one offs on the rack at TJ Maxx. So I got mine at TJ Maxx, but it was juicy and I had it. Wow. Crazy. Wow, look at me thinking there was nothing to talk about and then just going on a full, full memory train back. Do you like how Larry has slightly modified his look? So he has his normal oh, wow. he has his normal polo shirt, but underneath the polo shirt, he's got a green turtleneck. Polo over a turtleneck. He's cold. Just so many collars. Collars on collars. Chile. <laughs> yes. I feel like we've seen that sweater from Kate before. Probably. I feel like Kate is an outfit repeater. Kate probably is an outfit repeater. Where does Mr. Dig get all of his outfits? So he's disguises him. I don't. Okay, first of all, yeah. Why do you need to disguise yourself? But where does he get all these outfits? So he's first a digital bean employee. Then he works at a record store. Then he's the hot dog vendor. Where does he get all these outfits? Spirit Halloween. <laughs> Spirit Halloween. Do you like how uh, Ethan and Lizzie have to rollerblade with elbow and knee pads? They're being safe. I love it. Are you opposed? They're children. But then at the end, Mr. Dig just, you know, sweater, doesn't feel the need to dress up at all. He's a teacher again. Yeah. His, his own persona is back. Yeah. All right. Well, 
That's it. Those are all the outfits, I think. Yeah. And now we get to talk about MVP. And I suppose I will go first since I've already said it like three times. Yeah. My MVP for this episode is Kate. I could not give it to anyone in the main cast because for half the episode, it was very unclear why they were fighting. And then the source of the argument was just even more unclear and quite frankly, infuriating. And Kate, of all people, she kept it real. She opens up to Gordo about how lucky he is to actually have friends like Lizzie and Miranda. And that probably comes from a raw place because she did used to be friends with Lizzie. Unclear about Miranda. We don't really know when Miranda came into the mix. But Kate lets Gordo know that he's lucky to still have them. And then Kate needed scooters. And you know what? Kate got scooters. Kate's the MVP. Clear choice. Clear choice for you, perhaps, but I have a different MVP in mind. Who is your MVP? Wait, wait, wait. I want you chomp. <laughs> MVP has got to be Matt McGuire here. I mean, he finds a treasure map and has the fortitude to say, you know what? I'm going to find this treasure. And while others may think, what a crazy thought. There are no treasure maps in the 21st century. Matt McGuire says, I challenge you. I think that this will lead me to treasure. His parents don't even believe in him. And he says, you know what? Parents, I'll prove you wrong while you stay here acting like idiots. And so Matt McGuire goes out, outsmarts every single middle schooler, wins the scavenger hunt, not only gets an A for a school he does not attend, but also gets 43 cents and a bus token. And then... (laughs) gets to improvise a little bit. I'm assuming this is improvisation at the end of the episode (laughs) because um, I just don't think the writers would have written this in. I don't think they would have come up with this. I think this has got to be an improvisation, but you know what? Uh, Best line of the episode. And Matt McGuire, congratulations. You have just earned your 15th MVP. It is a tie first place i was just gonna say did you mvp matt so that it would be a tie i didn't mvp him so that it would be a tie he legitimately earned this for me you win the scavenger hunt you get an mvp it's very simple for me that's fair i just think that matt's content in this episode i mean it it ended on a real high note but there just wasn't a lot of content i don't know he was competing for the like the sam and joe thing didn't need it uh, no, you don't need any stories about adults. Give me more Matt. Yeah. Um, so oh, I just thought that there wasn't enough content there. Yeah. To reward him, but I understand. And you give you gave Kate an MVP. She stole two kids' scooters. She was resourceful and she paid them to obtain new scooters. Yeah, but you know, if it's not for sale, <laughs> you can't just throw money at somebody and be like, "Oh, well, that was fair." That'd be like if I took your car, but then just left you some money. It's like, oh, we're we're fair. <laughs> we're we're all even. It was iconic. <laughs> all the same. Yeah. Well, there it is, episode two hundred six, and the winner is the winner is no one. Nobody won. <laughs> we all, all we all lost. <laughs> they lost. We as viewers lost. Everybody lost. Everybody lost. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter or email us at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. 
This episode, along with all of our other episodes, can be found on our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters. They're also available on any platform where podcasts are available. And be sure to tune in next week when we discuss episode 207, The Longest Yard. Mm, Fun times. Football. (laughs) 